Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. It's so good to sing as a prayer, isn't it? When you're singing as a prayer, you want to make sure that you put it out there in your projection, as we were known yesterday in the level two class. That's the that's the, the P. And then you have to also have that opening for the reception because the the projection is the wanting. But you can't want and have simultaneously. So you have to you have to want and then open up to have. And when you open up to have, you have to stop wanting. Otherwise you can't have. Oh I want, I want, I want. Well hold on. Do it just once. I want, I have. <laughs> I have to want. <laughs> and uh, the idea of being desireless, the idea was that you want to have that circle in your prayer. So when you're, when you're singing, um, most people, when they're singing and they don't um, feel good about their voice, they spend more energy on listening, try to get their voice to be right. And if you're spending all your time listening, you'll never get your voice right because you're not putting enough energy into projecting. And that's why, you know, great voice coaches will always tell you, don't care how you sound, right? And that way you can put it together um, without concern. And what will happen is that you will explore your voice without caring how it sounds. And that gives you a tremendous amount of freedom. And it's one of the most empowering pieces of life. Most empowering facets of life is to explore your voice. Explore your singing voice. Just put a sign on your, on your world that says, uh, uh, excuse me, I won't stop. <laughs> no, matter, no matter what, I won't stop. Yeah. As a small child, I used to sing incessantly. And everyone but ex my immediate family was very uncomfortable with having me around. <laughs> so I learned two things, how to sing incessantly and how to put up with people that didn't want to put up with you. <laughs> Both are very valuable in life. So those of you who are coming into the room just for this class, this weekend here at Yoga West, we're studying the third and fourth week of Authentic Relations, which is a level two course. And yesterday we were working on polarities and paradoxes and the introduction of the third party in a polarity um, which can elevate and create what is known as an elevated paradox. And that third component is always love. Hmm? Either side has its position, and those positions can be valid. But the side that, the third side that works 
to mitigate any kind of conflict in the polarity of the two sides is love. And this is followed up today with a very personal component, which is story. Your story will describe your life and you will subscribe to your story. Psychologically, you subscribe to it and your brain, when you're psychologically subscribed to your story, your brain will be operating in a frequency that will, have th that will uh, accept thoughts because your thoughts aren't your thoughts. Your thoughts are thoughts that are in the universal mind that you pick up on as per the frequency of your brain. And so when you have a story that you're believing, and that's what you do, you believe your story because it's so personal, and you construct it over time because it's so personal, uh, that belief will then set the frequency of your brain, just like tuning in a radio, and then the frequency of your brain will tune into a thought pattern which will be in complement to your story. And if the thought pattern isn't in complement to your story, then you will change the frequency of your brain until it does, rather than change your story. And so what happens is you then become convinced and confirmed in your story. What happens in life is that you're vibrating as your story, and you will then attract others who have similar stories, or at least compatible stories. And then you will meet someone or some event and there will be an attraction that's outside of story. And then you will have to try to figure out how to fit your stories together because they may not be compatible. And what we were learning yesterday is that stories then become polarities. And the only way that you can maintain a relationship, an authentic relationship when stories are polarities is to defer to the third position, which is love. And what happens when you defer to the third position, you use both of the polarity positions as energy. And what happens is that you elevate this paradox, this paradoxical situation, which is the accumulation of your two stories. I mean, oftentimes you'll, you'll meet a couple or you maybe be, a, maybe you are a couple. And people say, wow, it's really, it's sincerely amazing how the two of you work together. And then there are other couples that it, you say, God, it's just so obvious how perfectly matched you are. But that's just what it looks like from the outside. The authenticity of the relationship is in the internal processing, in the internal processing. So let's talk about story for a moment. We have story that comes to us from both our physical body and our spirit body, our soul body. And the part of it that comes from our physical body is what's called our genealogy. Physical body is the genealogy, is your lineage. This isn't the you in you, but it's the you that is perfect for this lifetime. Your physical body is not happen chance. 
your physical body is the result of a code that has been in place for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because outside of the measurement through the sensory system, there's no sequential time. There is no time in which you measure the past and the present and the future. It's all a single moment. When it gets translated into this perspective, it looks like it's linear time, past, present, and future. But that's just a perception. That's not an absolute reality. And so this coordination of you coming in through the genealogy that you have in this particular physical body has a story to it. And that story is merged with what is called your soul body, which is your incarnate self, the spirit side of yourself. And that's the side of yourself that consciousness lives with. When you drop this body, when you die, the physical body and all of this genealogy disintegrates, disintegrates. You know, they, you either burn it to dust or you bury it and hope that in a million years that something will get through the coffin and <laughs> the embalming fluid and all that other stuff and we'll disintegrate that thing, right? But anyway, uh, that's another story. Excuse my rant. <laughs> but that just disintegrates at the end of your life. What doesn't end at the end of your life is your consciousness. Your consciousness is what's being driven by soul body, being carried by soul body, and your consciousness is what you're growing. In any lifetime, you will either be more physically oriented or more consciousness oriented. And obviously, you wouldn't be in this room on a Sunday morning if you were not more consciousness oriented. And what happens when you're in a world such as planet Earth in the 21st century, you realize that as conscious orientation, you are in the extreme minority. Because everything else is going on serving something that you're going, don't they see? Can't they understand? Isn't it obvious? And the answer to that is, no, they can't see. No, they do not understand. And it is not obvious. It is to you, but it isn't to the vast, vast majority because the vast, vast majority are in what would be called preschool <laughs> or elementary school. And that's because not all soul bodies are the same age. But all planets re are required to work with all varieties. And so what ends up happening is, is you end up having a particular ratio. And those ratios on planets are science. Just like the ratio of the amount of water in your body to the amount of dense matter in your body, to the amount of nitrogen in your body, to the amount of hydrogen in your body. All of the various components in your body are in a particular ratio. If you're outside that ratio, then your body is not at ease, it's in dis-ease. And so eating so that you can maintain that ratio is something that you do consciously. 
And the ratio of human beings on the planet at any one given time is also a conscious ratio, a very specific ratio. Two-thirds of humanity are at a very, very, very young age. Two out of three, that's 66%. That's a voting majority. And that's one of the reasons why Yogi Bhajan said the most dangerous form of government is a democracy. Because when you have 66% of humanity on the planet at any given time, two out of three, what you end up with is you end up with very two-dimensional majorities. Because that beginning stage of human existence relates to two things. Right, wrong, yes, no, fear, love. So you can control them through love or you can control them through fear. And it's quite obvious that someone figured that out. And the majority of humanity are being controlled consistently through fear. We are living in the Kali Yuga, which truth is called what you can convince someone of. And this is also extremely obvious. The beauty of this time is you. The ugliness is that you haven't shown up. Because you're still sitting around wondering if you have the right, if you have the authority to be really, really big. And there's this really, really false statement that has been circulating in spirituality ever since the emperor's language began to control spirituality. And that statement is, be egoless. Yogi Bhajan said quite clearly that he had the biggest ego that he had ever known of. And that was a message. It wasn't just a statement. It wasn't just a boast. It was just a message. Is it, stop being timid. Stop playing small ball. It's time to get big. And your story has been something that has come in through genealogy through many generations. The yogis say seven. Now medical science is saying 14. They say that DNA maintains its frequency and its influence for 14 generations. That means that there is about 370 or so years of genetic influence on you right now. At seven generations, that's 254 ancestors. But that's a lot of influence that's keeping you small, unless you're the royals. For the royals, they play big ball, don't they? Everything they do is documented. Oh my goodness, they, they took a poop. <laughs> do you remember, what was it, the last, the little emperor or something like that? It was, and they were running around with this, with what looked like a Tibetan singing bowl. And it was his turd. Remember that? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. The emperor, because it was the emperor was this big, right? He was a little little child. He took a poop. 
That's entitlement. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I am entitled to be me. All of me. The biggest me. And then you'll go right back to playing small ball. But you will remember you did that because you took an oath today. And this is an oath that we have to work with. And what is going to be the signal that you're working with that oath, with that story of your story? What is going to be the signal? A lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with you. So when you start playing big ball, a lot of people become uncomfortable with you and they complain about you. They'll complain about you behind your back and they'll complain about you to your face. And so when people are complaining about you, when people are talking about you behind your back and they're having derogatory things to say about you, that's when you should feel really good. (laughs) Because you're doing the right thing. And it doesn't mean you're doing the right thing right. Because when you start doing the right thing, it hasn't been done for quite a while in your genealogy. And therefore, what's going to happen as you're doing the right thing, which you haven't done for a long time, you're going to be making a lot of what? A lot of mistakes. And what should you say? Just like they do in the film industry. Cut! Let's take that again. They don't go, oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh my God, I can't believe it. They just go, cut. Let's do that again. And that's what you have to do with you when you completely mess up. You've got to just say, whoops. And do it again. Deep down inside of us, our story is being held in our subconscious. And that's why we want to get less head brain governing our lives and a lot more heart brain and a lot more gut brain governing our life. Because when you look at your mistakes through your gut, the gut doesn't go, oh my God. The gut just goes, hmm. Mm. When you look at your mistakes through your heart, the heart doesn't go, oh dear. The heart goes, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun. It just keeps beating. When you look at your mistakes through your brain in your head, which is very two-dimensional, it goes, I was wrong. But what if you have two other voters a two-thirds majority that are not going, I was wrong. One's going, dun-dun, dun-dun. And the other one's going, mm, mm. And they're just ready to do it again. Then this head brain that is so embarrassed, so embarrassed. If you were so embarrassed at the age of 11 months, you would never have learned to walk. 
If you were so embarrassed at the age of 15 months, you would never have learned to talk. You would think, I tried it once. <laughs> it didn't work out well. I fell down. I mispronounced the word. We must go to that place in order to rewrite our story that is completely willing to rewrite its story. Our grandchildren called us this morning and our granddaughter speaks in complete sentences. Our grandson just screams words. And our granddaughter said, we're watching figure skating. And then I said, oh, we are too sometimes. She said, I can do that, but I don't do it on ice. <laughs> I can do that, but I don't do it on ice was her whole truth in that moment. Her truth was that she does that. She does it. She walks around the living room. She does it. She does it. She does it. But she doesn't do it on ice. Innocence is what enables you to rewrite your story. Innocence is what enables you to take risk. And risk is where Literally, this is a quote from the, from the yogis and from Yogi Bhajan. Risk is where, excuse me for using the word, God lives. Whatever you want to refer to it, the cosmos, the universal being, what, or the creative force, it doesn't matter. I'm not selling a word. That divinity, that infinity, that cosmic force lives in risk. The risk side of the wave of a moment in the devotional quadrant, the upper risk side, the lower risk side is commotion, which means that you did not balance out your risk with your discipline. Risk balanced with discipline gets you in devotions because it forces you to have faith. You have no, you're way too at risk to have any kind of absolute logical knowledge. And so you do things that you've never done before. You change your story that you've never written before. And that's why every single day when I get up in the morning, I walk up to the mirror and I talk to the prophet in the mirror. I talk to the Messiah in the mirror. I may feel like I'm a piece of junk at several times during the day. I can have those same emotional downturns as anyone else. But when I get up in the morning, I walk up to the mirror and I greet the prophet. I greet the Messiah that's facing me in the mirror. Because you got to start from a good place. What is it they say? shoot for the stars and you may get to the moon. You know the habit of toasting, correct? The reason that you would use something to drink, the reason that you would say something, 
And the reason that you would clink your glasses together is that you needed to use all of your senses in order to register the blessing or the prayer of the moment. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be working with yoga that will help us stretch into the old cells, put new energy into the old cells, put new energy into our attitude because our attitude is produced by the chemistry that comes from the cells of our body. And in that way, what we end up with is we end up with the opportunity for a new story. And with a new story will come new doubts. So just know that. And you should keep a list of your doubts. You should keep a list of your friends and a list of your enemies. And your doubts are your enemies. But what do they say about your enemies? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And one of the things that the yogis throughout the centuries knew and throughout the millennia knew is that when you embraced your negative emotions, your commotions, and your struggles, you neutralized them. When you tried to evade them, they got more powerful. When you ran from them, they ran after you. When you embraced them, they had nowhere to go. And so they would create mythologies that would be all about this particular mythological character and this particular mythological character and the interaction between the characters in the mythologies was all about rewriting story. It was all about how do you raise your conscious awareness. So we're going to do a very, very powerful yoga set that's going to have all of the cells, or you're going to stretch in ways that you don't normally stretch. I'm not telling you that you're going to be in extreme agony. I'm just saying that it will be unusual, certain things, not, not agonizing, but just unusual. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All the classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success. And it'll be a lecture with a pranayama, a breathing exercise, and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day. And then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files, which are guided 11-minute meditations, which you can listen to. And that's all within gurusing.com. Satnam.